I don't like discipline. I can't stand it. I want to eat cookies all day. I want to drink dark, dark, dark stout. I want to drink coffee after that. And then I want to take naps when I get tired. But I like what discipline produces. Welcome to the Impact of Leadership podcast brought to you by CCB Technology. I'm Patrick Booth, not Steve Shear, and I will be your host today. This is the podcast where we believe no one drifts into excellence. So join me as we work to figure out this leadership thing on purpose. This week's episode, I have the honor to interview our very own Steve Shear. He's a husband, father of four, an ex-Racine Raider football player, softball champion who loves to hit home runs, a.k.a. dingers, and he's lived in a hut in Fiji before Survivor became popular, swims with sharks at night, grows a beard like Chuck Norris, is our VP of sales, who, by the way, hit the biggest year ever in the history of the company for sales revenue, and he has uh, the impact of leadership under his belt as well as being our host. This guy does it all. Let me just say that. Nothing to talk about in this episode. Yeah, right. All right. So how did this man get all these talents? Who is this myth, this legend? Well, we're going to get into it. First, let me ask you, Steve, I, I think this is awesome. How are you feeling about having somebody else be the host? Uh, he won't even look in my eyes right now. I'm scared. I'm a little, after hearing you do the intro, I'm a little, uh, I'm a little, little nervous. All right. Yeah. Well, we uh, are going to all buckle up together and we're going to go on this it's gonna wild be ride. All it's right. It's going to be good. Well, I'm going to try to take it easy on you, but I'm going to go ahead and try to give everyone, because I think they deserve to know who you are. Um, so why don't we talk about that intro? Uh, that was a lot. I felt like I was introducing Apollo Creed from Rocky IV. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and there's a lot there, a few yeah. nicknames and a few things, but Tell us about who you are. Like, basically, where did you come from and uh, and how did you get to become the man you are, man? So um, I'm a Christian, first of all. I am a husband, married to Beth for 10 years now, which is crazy to think about. Congratulations. I'm, thank That's great. you. Yeah, it's it's awesome. And she um, she should get an award or something for putting up with, with me for all these years. Um, I am a dad of four kids. And as you said, uh, to put in perspective... The oldest is eight. The youngest is two, three boys and a girl. Um, so those are the couple of things before work. And then uh, I'm the VP of sales at CCB. So I do like the stuff that you were saying about outdoors and, and going to Fiji and all that kind of craziness. Uh, but right now, uh, life is pretty much consumed by um, church, the kids, wife and, and work. Sure. Yeah. Well, no doubt that you got a lot on your plate. Um, so you and I met, and we were doing chapel for uh-huh. a nonprofit here in town called Youth for Christ at yep. uh, the high school that we both attended. And I was a business guy working at CCB, so I think at the time I wore ties every day. And you know, and here you walk in, and you got like long flowing hair, mm-hmm. a bandana I think on your head, probably. And I'm like, who is this guy? And I didn't realize you're my partner in this nonprofit <laughs> ministry work that we're doing. But we didn't really talk a whole lot. And then a couple years later, my dad uh, runs into you at a wedding, apparently, and mm-hmm. he calls me up and says, Patrick, you got to interview Steve Shear. I'm like, who's Steve Shear? He goes, you know Steve. He goes to Case. He went to Case High School, and he works for Youth for Christ, or he did, and he wore bunny suits to high school to try to get people to talk to him. Yep, and I'm true. like, 
You're talking about the hippie? You're talking about the guy with the the beard and the long flowing hair and the bandana? I'm like, yeah. that guy, no way. Last time I heard, he was like cutting yards somewhere. Yeah, I, I'm like, true too. yeah. And so I'm like, are you sure Steve Shears, the guy you want me to interview? He goes, I'm telling you, the guy now sells insurance. I'm like, there's no way. There is no way yep. that guy sells insurance. Yep. So my dad uh, called me up again a couple of weeks later because I hadn't followed through. Says, I got to know, did you interview Steve? I'm like, what is up with this guy, Steve, and you? Like, what is it? Did you promise him a job? And I just have to like, is he showing up tomorrow? And my dad's like, no, no, no. He goes, I'm telling you. And sure enough, we meet. And you're this completely transformed guy Mm -hmm. um, where short haircut, um, you're you're in a suit, and you're selling insurance. Mm -hmm. What happened between the guy I met? Yeah. And now the business guy, and now your VP of sales here. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to this story. There's a lot. All right, there's I'm a lot. To stop so, now. Go. No. So the, uh, real quick, my version of that story, just to add balance to it, I distinctly remember you coming into that chapel because the first time that I remember uh, meeting you was at that chapel, but you actually had bib overalls on because it was it was uh, CCB's Halloween thing. So you were dressed up like a okay, farmer. I don't you, remember that. So I, I remember because I'm like, who the heck is this? This is guy? not true. But one of the times you did come in and I remember them saying like that you were in technology and software and I didn't know what any of that stuff was. But to answer your question, how did I get here? What happened? The changes? Um, that's a big, big question. I grew up in a house where we went to church a bunch. My dad uh, was my pastor and I had innately put on myself that there was like an A squad and a B squad. So like if you worked in nonprofits, that was kind of like the A squad. Like that's what you should go after because my dad worked for a nonprofit. A lot of my um, uh, relatives worked in nonprofit work. Uh, My uncles and aunts went to, um, they all went to private school uh, for college, uh, Christian college uh, in Illinois. So I had this perception that there was like an A squad and a B squad between 501c3 nonprofit work and corporate world work. Uh, fast forward, um, I got into some nonprofit work for a couple years uh, during those years with, uh, with the Fiji stuff that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. So I was in um, college for two years. I went to Fiji uh, for a study abroad program. That was kind of the pendulum swing is what I call it in my life of viewing the world from a different perspective. So I come back from that experience and drop out of school and start working for a nonprofit locally here in in Racine. Part of the work that I was doing with those folks, uh, I felt like a a burden, a call, I guess, back to our hometown, but specifically to guys that were in and out of jail a lot. I can't really explain it other than I just saw a need and I felt like these guys that are in and out of jail, they, they are down and out and they need help. And sure. I had experience with resume building and things like that. So I worked with these guys on trying to stay out of jail. During that process, they were talking about, well, you didn't finish school. So how can you talk about you know, school being that sure. important? Yeah. Well, then my ta- my, at the time, Beth was my girlfriend before we even got engaged or married. And she said, well, they kind of have a point. And you know, of course, she was getting her master's in education. So she also thought education was really important. So it started there. It was a challenge to go back to school um, to prove it, basically to prove that it was actually worth something. So I went back to school, got the got my degree. I basically had to start over, um, worked through school, a couple jobs, finished the degree, and that's what switched it in my mind. So going from this nonprofit stuff to the business world was that, that challenge. But then also, um, 
that A squad, B squad thing kind of dissolved. I saw that you could serve people well in business. Um, and it was during that school transition when I was cutting grass. So I was working for Youth for Christ. I was working at Menards and I was also cutting grass and, and shoveling snow to pay for school for myself. And I saw during that time frame that you, your tax status might be different, but your intention doesn't have to be. Sure. You can serve people at three o'clock in the morning shoveling their, their snow and they wake up, they can get to work on time. And that's a great service. And that was really where it transitioned for me. I had zero idea that I would end up in sales or being in the position I'm in now. Yeah, there's a lot there. That That's incredible. Um, I mean, obviously, your heart is to serve people. Mm-hmm. And you're right. It doesn't matter if you're a nonprofit or if you're in a corporation. If you have the right heart, serving others can be done in any position you have. Now, you come to CCB, and you come as a director of uh, recruitment and training because we were uh, wanting to build the company up. Still do, but we thought we need somebody who understands you were a recruiter over at your last position. Uh, then we realized, let's put Steve as a director of sales because we needed some leadership. Uh, we were changing a few things. You came in. You said, okay, great. Let's do this. I don't remember the time frame. Do you remember mm-hmm. how fast we moved you into that director of sales? Yeah, it was 12 months. It was exactly a year. And then okay. I transitioned into taking over half the team. All right. So it's <laughs> a so year of managing half the sales team. And you went and closed one of the biggest accounts that we had ever seen come into our business from a mm-hmm. corporation side, yep. uh, not being a nonprofit, but out there in the, the corporate world. And you did it yourself. So then I said, would you be interested in being a sales rep? And you're like, sure. So we took you definitely down a crooked path. So you're doing that. You're doing great. In fact, you break records again uh, as a sales rep now. So then how in the world did you get to be VP of sales again? Um <laughs> Why don't you share that story? Sure. So um, first of all, this story is ha- has a, a really tasty milkshake from Portillo's. They're so good. In it. So uh, if anybody's ever going to approach you about a business deal, selling you something or uh, another position within the company you're in and they offer you a chocolate cake milkshake from Portillo's, there's something behind that. I'm just saying, people, take notes. These are how you get deals done. <laughs> so we were we were actually coming back from a visit um, with a client down in Northern Illinois. We were already kind of flying high because it was a really good visit with them. And we love working with them and partnering with them. Uh, And you you said, hey, you hungry? Heck yeah, I'm hungry. Let's stop. And at that time, I was, I think that was director version two. I was managing half the sales team again. And then- Oh, and I was the VP of sales at the time. uh I was the interim. At that time, I was the president and vice president of sales while you were doing the directoring of sales of half the sales team with another director. Yep. So then uh, we're eating lunch and I'm drinking this delicious milkshake. And all of a sudden, you know, you just say, Hey, uh, what do you think about, I don't know, jumping back into this thing and taking, I'm sorry, what doing what (laughs) I did. I just threw it out there. Right. And it was, um, we didn't really hash out the details, but, there was a vision. Um, and even if it wasn't fully baked, I was, I was in at that point and, and we just basically did what we do and we'll figure out the details later and there's trust established. So it's not like I wasn't going to get paid or like, you know, I wasn't going to have a job the next day and I didn't know what the title was going to be and I didn't know what it was going to look like, but we agreed at that point over that milkshake and some hot dogs that we would, um, put together a job description and a plan and, figure it out. So that was how I jumped back into uh, 
management slash doing the uh, the VP of sales thing. Yeah, I remember leaving that that lunch uh, thinking that was a whole lot easier than I thought it was going to be to get you to say yes to the VP of sales job. And obviously, you know, we both agreed that we were going to work out the details, but yeah. there was a connection that you and I both felt that it was the right timing. So coming into this role, first time now, now you're the VP of sales. Mm-hmm. First time you've ever been a vice president? I'm yeah, okay. definitely. So what were your doubts that you thought coming into the role as VP of sales that was going to be different from what you had already done? Yeah. And why did you say yes, if mm-hmm. you can remember that? And, yeah. And what's the road been like for you? It's, that's a lot. Um, so I'll start off with uh, doubts. I like to talk about struggles. From, from my perspective, I think my character, uh, skill set, whatever, is most built up uh, or is built up the most when it's tested or when it, there's struggles or when I'm in a spot where I'm not 100% sure how it's going to shake out and there's a little bit of trepidation, I guess. So doubts, sure. Can I do it? Do I actually have what it takes to do this? It, I wrote about it in one of the blogs about my my first experiences as a VP. And one of the things it, it really, and it still rings in my head is, am I worthy of people following me? Sure. Um, I'd say that's normal for anybody in leadership. Sure. Yeah. And, and, and when it gets down to less philosophical than that, do I actually have what it takes to be at the helm of millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars of production? But you already had been a director sure. a couple of times. Yeah. So what's the difference that's in a good question. this title versus the director title? Yeah. Um, I felt like I still had more direct control, I guess, over the outcome as a director. Then you kind of get removed step by step as you move into management roles. I felt like I was nervous. I had doubts. I didn't I didn't know what that was going to look like because if it's one step removed from sales rep to director of sales, what's that move going to look like control-wise or influence-wise from director of sales to VP of sales? You know, also one of the doubts really was I had already seen the director role once when I went back into the director role a second time. Okay. I I had nothing to compare the sure. VP of sales role. Another big thing for me was I was basically doubling the headcount that I was responsible for. Correct. Not just doubling the amount of money that revenue or whatever goals, but the people side, which is huge for us, obviously. And if I would get even more specific, the spouses and the kids. Um, okay. I, try to periodically, regularly ask my reps how their spouses feel about them working at CCB. And so in my honest moments, some of my doubts were, do I have what it takes to not run this thing aground? Sure. <laughs> and so- um, The responsibility, the weight of that responsibility. Sure. And, and and a lot of the unknowns, like in, in sports, um, in acting, like doing plays and things like that, um, meeting people, friendships, going to Fiji, whatever. I like the unknown. I like the mystery. I like that stuff. I like, I wonder how this is going to shake out. Coming into this role was the first time that it gave me serious pause. And I had to really think through if this is what I should do. I know I talked about, and we joked about the milkshake and all that kind of thing. But when I was alone and had time to really think through it, it wasn't a frivolous decision at all. And I know that we were joking before a little bit, but 
it it was serious. I mean, sure. it was it was it, the timing made sense, and we talked through that a lot more. But the doubts weren't enough for me to not take the step. And I'll tell you what that a major piece of that was. It was your confidence in me. And I'd say this if the thing wasn't recording because I've said it before. You're not going to run the ship into the ground because your name is tied to it as well. So for me as a subordinate to you, as my direct, my director, my boss, you saying, we can't map this whole thing out, but you've got what it takes. It's going to be hard. You're going to be working crazy hours at first. It's going to be nuts, but I'm with you. That was really what helped me move into the role, but in overshadow the doubts. Wow. You know, um, I do, I do appreciate you saying that. I mean, I do think that as you're in anything new, it's normal. And we say this all the time. You're normal to have doubts as you're coming into something brand new, right? But like anything else that we've seen you do, Steve, you stepped up to the plate. You swung hard with the bat. And you did pretty good, my friend. Yeah, you fun. did really, really good, actually. Thanks. I'm underplaying it. You crushed it. You gave us our best year ever. So now that you look back after that, mm-hmm. you know, that first year, and now you're, you know, almost two years done uh, being the VP of sales, What's some of the positive things that you're walking about? Like, yeah. what was the key to your success in that year one? Mm-hmm. And what have you learned even in year two as uh, we're almost done with it? But what have you picked up on that's been positive for you as a leader? So there's a there's a ton. There's a ton of things. I think some of it is very simplistic and can come across as cliche, but I've found it to be true. So, for example, you can't give what you don't have. So I started engulfing books and podcasts. And I found that I was an auditory learner. I've talked about that before where I didn't realize how much of an auditory learner I was until I was forced to figure it out. Hmm. So this role and the challenge of this role forced me to really get into learning back to school, figuring it out. It's not going to, I'm not going to be able to do this just based on my own skill set currently. And and that was you just saying that you realized I got to get some more knowledge yep. put into me. And going back to your phrase, you can't give what you don't have. Yeah, that that really, I mean, I've heard people say that. I think John Maxwell said it. I, lots of people have probably said it, but I think John Maxwell is who stuck with me. You can't give what you don't have. And I just stopped. I was like, okay, I got to get it then. Sure. I got to get it. I can't fake it. Right. I got to get it. Right. Um, and so I started engulfing books and that was one of the positive things really, because what I saw was if you can't give what you don't have, then go get it. Once I started to go get pieces of knowledge and people saw that I was serious about going hard after this and standing in front and saying, I messed up being humble with that stuff, people started trusting me more. Uh, Rather quickly, I, I had everybody on the sales team directly tell me, Um, that they were in for the 2018 year. And how did I get that? I just didn't know what else to do. So I just asked them, can I have 2018? I was there. I remember this. Mm -hmm. So you literally just asked them to verbally give you all you wanted was a yes or a no, correct? That's it. Uh, And I actually gave them, I actually gave them the option for option three. um, We'll see, or let let me figure it out or something like that. That's true. But I, I asked if they my preference was I'd like a yes or a no because I need to know where we're at. That doesn't mean I'm going to let you go. You wanted go. an honest answer. Really. I did, yeah. And, and I didn't even want people... If, even if it was that I'm not sure yet. Yeah, if I'm not sure yet. They at least had an honest answer. Mm-hmm. That's what you wanted. Yeah, That's and good. so That's right. I, I asked the that. whole team at the same time, 
but I didn't ask for people to respond right then. I wanted people to think about it and then give it give me the answer later on. That was a positive thing. Sure, I, but, I got, but it wasn't just because it was you coming into leadership. You, we were rolling out some changes. Yeah. And there were some tough changes. There was. That, that was going to affect some income levels for people. Mm-hmm. So you had to announce that from day one when you were the new VP of sales. Within the first 15 minutes of being 15 a VP minutes, of sales. 15 minutes. That was your first announcement. Uh-huh. And you know what I applaud you about, though, is a lot of leaders in your position would not know what to do. They would probably just read whatever the new policy was or the new change and they would just leave and mm-hmm. get out of that room as quickly as possible because they felt awkward. Mm-hmm. You actually said, I want to have a conversation with you engaged. Yeah. So I think there's something to say from very from day one, you came in with the, the right heart to want to connect with your team. Yeah. And they saw that. I appreciate it. That, yeah, changes are going to happen. And you supported the changes. But you at the same time were like, listen, I know this is hard. You're a relatable. So let's talk about that. Sure. In your leadership style, I think I've seen you and I've watched you. People really get along with you. What What is the secret sauce, Steve, mm-hmm. that gets you to connect with people so well? I don't know fully. Uh, and that's even a weird position to take in answering that question, because I feel like in answering that question, I'm agreeing with you that I have a secret sauce of connecting with anybody, but people. So sure, I, sure. I, I, I will say that throughout life, just my parents or friendships or whatever, people have been easy for me to like navigate. I, I, I think there's blend, been somewhat of a blessing from God on uh, being able to connect with people because uh, one, one of the things I found out is I have a genuine interest in knowing people's stories because I find people interesting. Sure. Um, I haven't ever had to fake that. Um, I like finding out people's weird idiosyncrasies. That's why I like watching documentaries. Why they tick. Why they tick. Yeah. So why was Jim Morrison the way he was? What was the Lizard King all about? What the heck is this guy talking about in these songs and breaking through the other side? Yeah, I like the Doors music, but what was his deal? Um, so I've never had to really fake that even as a kid. It was easy for me. And I think the principle is true that the most intriguing person at the party is the person that's most intrigued with you. You know, humor is another thing. I like making people laugh. I think it's fun to be fun. And so I think that ties into it as well. But one of the things that I have found, I would, I would argue that this is truth based on my experience. Another thing that helps me connect with people or has at least with my team, and you can ask my team if this is false or not, is exercising humility. Humility has been the number one, I to me, the number one quality that I have tried hard to cultivate throughout the last, well, almost two years now of doing the VP of sales thing. Before it was a quality that... Um, I believed was very important, uh, not just because of faith and growing up and that kind of thing, but I saw that there was a lack of humility in people and that I didn't want anything to do with them necessarily or or that I wanted less to do with them if they just felt like I've got it all figured out. It's hard for me to follow somebody when they feel like they know everything. How can you know everything? But going through the stuff that we went through as a company and, and the, the push, the lift into the VP of sales role, uh, the more direct reports, I had the permission given to me by way of Simon Sinek, not directly, of course, but one of his talks that I listened to uh, through a podcast or a book or something. He gave me permission to stand in front of everybody and say, 
I don't know how this is going to work out. But here's where we're going. Here's why I believe this is where we should go. Here's the benefit to you when we get there. But along the way, I don't know how it's going to feel. But I'm with you. And then when it sucks and I messed up uh, specifically, um, February of last year or March of last year, uh, we were attempting a lot of different um, events, smaller events. And one of the events that we held, I was all gung-ho about it. This is going to work out. And we had more CCB people at that event than we had prospects or customers. And it cost CCB money and time. And fortunately, um, we didn't wreck any relationships and we didn't wreck any, you know, we just kept moving. But we learned from it. And so I had permission from Simon Sinek and from you to stand in front of the group and say, here's how I messed up. And so connecting with people, coming back to your original question there, um, I think humility is a big piece of it. I think a genuine interest in people and curiosity, I think developing curiosity is a big deal. Uh, and I think also um, not just looking to the, your own interest, but to the interests of other people around you is really important. Yeah, I'm so glad I asked you that question. I love your answers because I can confirm all the, the things I have seen over the, the year, uh, two years now. One, you're honest. You're very honest with people. And I even wrote down while you were answering it, I wrote, you put down the, the words, or you say it often, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And that's something I think a lot of leaders, including myself, were very scared to say because mm-hmm. a leader always has to act like they know where they're going. And sometimes early on, when I heard you say, I don't know, I would cringe because I'm like, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> the, what is they, that? Ha- they have to yeah. follow you. Mm-hmm. So how can they follow you if you don't yeah. know? But what I saw was the respect that you got Mm-hmm. out of that by being honest. I also know that you love to understand the why. Mm-hmm. Why do you tick that way as we talked about? Why do you do the things you do? A lot of times in, in management, we just try to fix the situation. We don't want to, some of us don't want to know the why. Yeah. We just want to tell people do it this way and this is how it's going to be done. And yeah. Um, and yeah, sure, you that's a control thing, but sometimes you got to know the why. If you want to get the results that you want, which is ultimately what we all do desire as leaders, And you've been doing that. You've been getting the results you want. So I love that your philosophy is definitely different than mine. Mm -hmm. Uh, You came in and one of the things I've learned and I had to be taught this was get out of the leader's way Mm. because I'm not the leader. You are. And I want you to be able to do it the way you want to do it. Um, The humbleness, uh, 100% you, Steve. Uh, No doubt everyone out there. You know, if I ask Steve, how was your softball game last night? He's like, oh, we won. It was good. I'm like, how'd you do? I did okay. How'd you do, Steve? Did you hit any home runs? Yeah, I hit three. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, and, sometimes. And, and I'm like, how How do you not talk about that? And he's like, well, I, because it's it's about the, we got the W. Everyone contributed. Sure. And I think that is, it comes from your heart. As leaders out there, if you're listening to this, and this is what this podcast is for, lead with courageousness, lead with honesty, lead with humbleness, get to know your people. Um, and I think great things come of that. I've seen it personally in this company. But I, I'm excited for all of us to be learning as we are not drifting into excellence, just yeah. some magical way to do that. We are actually learning and going to school today right now. Okay, how do you balance work yep. and home life? You have four kids, you have a wife, you yep. have your, your softball games, you have your ministry work. Mm-hmm. How in the world, are, and, and all the podcasts and all the, 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 the books you're listening to, yeah. how do you have time to do all of these things and have this balance? Can you I'm, give some insights? Uh, yeah. It's so strange to have you ask me that because I've been asking this whole year, almost every person I interview, I ask them that question because I'm literally trying to get free advice on this. So I'm figuring it out. My short answer, not very well. 
but I'm getting better. Here's what I mean. Uh, initially, I was saying yes to too many things. Still do, but I'm getting better. Saying yes to just about everything because everything seems like a good idea and how can you say no to anything and I need to develop that skill set of saying no to stuff. Um, how do I listen to as much as books and podcasts and things like that? Where do I find the time? I don't have more time than anybody else, but my need for knowledge bred a desire for me to figure it out because before that I wasn't listening to podcasts and books as much as I am now because I didn't have a need for it. So what happened? I started looking for cracks of time in my day to plug in my headphones where I wasn't ignoring my kids, my work, my wife. Um, and I found five minutes, 10 minutes here, and it added up. Here's a real example. If you have a five minute commute to work, just five minutes, and it's round trip, 10 minutes, 10 times five, easy math, 50 minutes. So if you go to work five days a week and you do that for a month, let's say you've got 50 minutes per week, let's say it's four weeks. Now you're up to 200 minutes in four weeks. So you take that 200 minutes and you put it towards what? I get listening to the radio or listening to the funny talking heads on the way in about sports and things like that. You already know what they're going to talk about, but what could you be listening to during that time? Play a podcast for five minutes for 50 minutes a week. And then now you have several podcasts under your belt. Here's another real example. When I do the dishes, I lay the kids down. It's probably 8 30, 9 o'clock at night. I plug in my headphones. It's a habit now. I plug in my headphones and I wash as many dishes. We have a dishwasher, but I choose to wash as many dishes by hand as possible because then it forces me to listen to a podcast. I also try to set out my clothes the night before and make the kids lunches for school the night before so that the next morning is smooth. While I'm doing that, I listen to podcasts or books. So I don't do this perfectly. I don't do it every single day and um, I'm still figuring it out, but that has given me hours and hours and hours of time. So what I'm hearing out of all that is you're intentional with mm -hmm. your time. Yeah. You have to tell it where to go. Otherwise it's just, it's like water in your hands. It just, it's gone. Okay. And there's has to be discipline because mm -hmm. all of us can create a plan sure. all day long. And you've used that phrase many, many times, you know, where if working out's important to you, you can have a plan. But unless you get up early, unless mm -hmm. you set the alarm clock, unless you do that, the, all the prep, then the chances of you being successful is probably none. So what's the advice you give to the people listening to this about being intentional and having that discipline? Like, what can we do to follow this lead? Because some of us, like myself, I'm raising my hand right now. You mm -hmm. can't see it. This is a struggle for me at mm -hmm. times. So what do you got for that? So um, first of all, you're not alone. Uh, you see these people that pose themselves perfectly for social media stuff. It's not really like that. They had ketchup on the floor and they spilled macaroni and cheese. The stuff they're posting is not a hundred percent real. That's not real life. It's not easy. Like working out can suck to me. I hate waking up early. People think that like, I like it. I hate it. I do not like waking up early. My alarm clock. I, deleted whatever it said in there, alarm one or whatever iPhone comes up with. And I have in my phone, it says never regretted because a phrase popped into my head one morning when I hit the snooze button seven times, I have regretted sleeping in almost every single, I think every time I sleep in, I regret it almost at least. And then I started thinking, have I ever regretted getting up early? 
No, I can't think of one time, actually. Even when the kids wake up earlier than they're supposed to and I can't get my full workout in, I still did more than I would have done if I slept in. So what advice do I have? I think take one step, one step. John Maxwell has an analogy, and I won't go on and on about this. Imagine you have an oak tree in your front yard, big old oak tree, and you got to cut that thing down. You've got options. You can go out there and stare at it, or you can grab an ax and go out and start swinging. His advice is not to stand there for 15 hours the first day and start hacking at the tree. His advice is to take five swings because if you take five swings per day, not only is it not consuming your whole day, but your swings are going to be good. They're going to be probably more accurate and on the point. Your hands aren't going to hurt crazy, but given enough time, that tree is going to fall. So my encouragement to people is start taking five swings, five swings at whatever it is, because discipline is not easy. Now, another phrase that I tell people is, I don't like discipline. I can't stand it. I want to eat cookies all day. I want to drink dark, dark, dark stout. I want to drink coffee after that. And then I want to take naps when I get tired. But I like what discipline produces. I don't like discipline. I like what it produces. And I've seen that, especially in the people that I interview. If you listen to Michael's interview, uh, when um, you listen to uh, Chris Maragos, who a Super Bowl, couple of Super Bowl rings and, and NFL guy, when you listen to Mike Bullmore, when you listen to any of these podcasts we've done this year, Carla Crable, they talk about doing things, but they don't talk about them just showing up. Uh, they talk about taking steps. I think one of the biggest things that separates people is actually doing it. You can listen to podcasts. You can listen to books. You can click thumbs up on LinkedIn. Until you actually take a step, you're you're doing nothing. Like this podcast, we didn't know what we were doing. I had somebody yesterday say that they listened to an early episode and I cringed a little bit and it had nothing to do with the person that I interviewed. It had everything to do with, I didn't have the microphone set up properly. <laughs> and that was before I knew that there was a sticker on the back of the microphone that said back you versus know, front. But we learn as we go, right? We learn as we go, but you have to take and a we, step. And we took a chance. That's it. And here we are, I'm interviewing you. Uh, this is awesome. You know, I got to say, this is full of great content, and I've learned so much by just even having you in my life, and we get to work side by side. But for everyone out there listening, uh, we are all going to school together, and we're learning. So, Steve, last question, but I think it's super important for all the listeners. We've been doing the podcast since January, but this was your idea. You came to me and said, this is a great way to reach out and connect with others. And we're an IT company but we're doing a podcast on leadership. Why was this so important for you to get this thing started and for us to be doing this? Each week, you pour tons and tons of time into it. Why do you do it? Yeah, um, that's not an easy question to answer. I'll do my best. This is from my heart, I guess. Um, why was it so important? A couple different reasons. First of all, uh, the internet, social media, it's easy to reach a larger audience in a shorter amount of time now more than ever before. It's easier to reach a wider audience now than ever before. I think there is a ton of information that is dragging people down. I think there is a ton of misinformation. I think uh, a ton of platforms being utilized for self-promotion primarily. And I've experienced something fantastic at CCB. And I think we have seen 
an opportunity to just highlight people that we run into or that other people refer to us that are a little bit further ahead in different areas. And now because of podcasting and the platforms I mentioned before, all we're doing is the stuff that we would do anyways at a coffee shop. Try to learn from them because that's how you get better and glean what you can and then share it with as many people as you possibly can. So yeah, we're an IT company, but it's always been about people for 28, 29 years. It's always been about people. It's never been just about IT. And so this is just one more step in a direction that I think is pretty natural for us because we want to continue to get better. We love people's stories and sharing them is just natural. I mean, if you hear something great, if you hear about a great restaurant, why wouldn't you tell people? That's gut reaction why I'm so passionate about it. I think leadership is something that's not meant to be mastered and we need a community of people that are on the same page going towards the same goal of excellence and you can't, it's not just a phrase to me, you just don't drift into excellence. It's awesome. That is a great answer to that question. And that was hard. Well, everyone out there listening, this is the time uh, in the episode where we actually do the takeaways and action items each week. So here are my takeaways. Number one, pour into yourself as a leader. You can only lead as far as you can go yourself. Now, there's a lot of different ways that we talked about how you can do this. You can do a book where you can write in it. You can highlight things. Maybe that's your style or maybe it's a podcast. That's what works for Steve and works for me. Audiobooks. Maybe there's another thing going to conferences. That's what I've done as well to get around other people and talk through things. And maybe it's a, a group that you need to be part of. So uh, Entree Leadership, I know I talk a lot about, but they do have a group called All Access where you can join. So con- consider that as an option. Number two. Chopping down a tree in life or in business, it takes a lot of patience and a lot of time. But if you have the right tools, and that's the key, then you can do it. Now, if you expect that tree to just fall over on itself, it's not going to happen. You know, I mean, sure, a tornado could come through and wipe it out, but we don't live our lives and our business waiting for a tornado to come through, or we don't just push it over. You have to have the right skill set, the right tools, and you do it little by little each day. That's what I really encourage you. Just go ahead and start working on that tree. That tree's not coming down until you decide to pick up a tool and go after it. Lastly, management qualities, leadership styles, be humble. This is something that people are really attracted to. They know when somebody works hard. You don't have to tell everyone in the room, hey, I'm the hardest worker here. They already know that. But be a servant to your people. Let them know that you care about them. And when you're wrong, admit it. They will follow leaders that actually agree with their people and acknowledge their mistakes because they are humble. That's what every employee is looking for is, are you a normal human? Are you somebody I can trust? Lead by being humble. All right, this is my takeaways, my action items. I hope you can use some of these. If not, send some other ones to us. Love to hear you. You can look us up on LinkedIn, uh, Steve Shear or Patrick Booth. We're also on Instagram, but this has been awesome being your host. I hope you have a great day and go make a difference in the world. 